Welcome to Yours, Mine, and Ours. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona, and I've been a relationship coach for many, many years. I started out as a personal success coach, a life coach, and then I realized that most of my clients were just interested in making their lives better with better relationships. And there are a lot of things that go into relationships because a relationship is actually an entity that exists of three different parts. The two different individuals who come together separately as people, when they come together, they create a third entity. That is the dynamic of what they are together. And so when people know how to be healthy, separate from each other, what they bring to their relationship is an amazing thing. People are meant to be together. Now, this is an important time to look at our behavior. Things in the world are changing. The social dynamics are changing. But that doesn't mean that our needs have changed. And how we commit to each other, how we communicate with each other, and how we connect to each other, well, maybe in a different style because of the technology and because of the coronavirus thing going on. But that doesn't mean our needs have changed. And it doesn't mean our capacity to be great together has changed. So today we're actually going to take a really close look at behavior. That doesn't matter if you're alone or if you're with someone. We are all wired a certain way. I've been a certified MBTI practitioner for many years now. And some people think that it's a really good thing because it's actually pretty accurate. And other people, they have some issues with it. Things like, well, my behavior has changed over the years. Or I really don't like to put labels on people or, or put them in a, a certain category because that would limit the way that I interact with them. Well, you know what? The truth is, our behavior doesn't change. Well, yes, it does. Of course it does. But our personality, our true nature doesn't change. And when you have more information about people and you understand them, you don't need to put a label on them because you then know how to respond to them, interact with them, be with them in a healthy and proactive way. Anyone who uses that information to avoid doing the work of a relationship, well, that's a reflection of them as the individual, not the tool that they're using to better equip themselves to be better with other people. So, I've discussed MBTI a couple of times in different radio shows in the past, and you can go ahead and go to the website, bbsradio.com slash yours, mine, and ours, and listen to some of the other shows where I've gone into great detail about the dichotomies and even dispositions, but today we're going to be talking about functional order. Now, that's very specific, and it's very potentially confusing if you don't really know how to put it in simpler terms. So that's what I'm going to be doing for my listeners today and really show them the practical value of this. One of the main things that I tell people why it's important to truly understand yourself is because then it helps you to be more willing to understand others. And then when you understand others, you can say, you know what, I know that you're having a hard time right now because this is just something that's not your nature. It's not your personality's preference to do this activity. So I'm going to be very patient and supportive and understanding of you while you're doing it. Or what if it's an activity that is their behavior, that is their personality? 
well, you know what, maybe that person just needs to take better care of himself or herself, stopping the activity altogether and saying, let's go ahead and make you better quality, the way you feel and the way you think and the way you act just in general, then go back to this particular behavior, this particular activity, you will immediately improve because it's not the activity that's the challenge. Or you know what? This is actually something that's very natural for you and you're in really good shape right now. You're in great condition. There's something deeper going on. You do need professional intervention, maybe in the form of counseling or therapy, or you know what? Maybe you do need pharmaceuticals. Personally, I don't think that pharmaceuticals are the answer that a lot of people in this day and age make them. I think they're more of a crutch and they're a way to avoid actually doing the work. Understanding people, including yourself, will be a great way for you to equip yourself with, hmm, you know what? I just need a whole lot more practice because this is not me at all. Or I really need to just stop and take a nap, maybe a walk around the block and a good glass of water to reset. Or I do need something more. I need something deeper and I need to be ready to do the work. Now I understand what the actual problem is. So let's go over the, the four dichotomies very briefly. Again, if you want more information, you can go to the website. And this is a call-in show, so you can go ahead and call the station and ask questions as I go throughout the show today. The number is 888-627-6008. And I have a great producer, Doug. He's going to be ready and, and waiting for anyone who wants to actually call in and ask a question. Let's start with the four dichotomies. Now, there are four different parts of human behavior. The first one is your social energy. You're either an introvert or an extrovert. Well, a lot of people say I'm both. I do both. An introvert is someone who gets their energy when they are alone. They actually build up their supply of energy when they're not around other people or when they're just around people who are very special and very important to them. An extrovert is someone who gets energy by being around other people. No, you can't be both. You do both because life demands that you be alone sometimes and that you be around people sometimes. The question is, which one is more natural for you? Without going into a whole lot of detail here and now, I'm just going to give you some questions that you can ask yourself that will help you know which one you are more inclined to be. An introvert is someone who, even if they like a lot of people throughout their life, they're only going to call a handful of people their friends because relationships are very intense and they're very private. An extrovert, you know what? They may just have met you in the grocery store talking in the, the line as they're waiting for the checkout. Yeah, you know what? If they like you, hey, look, I just made a new friend. <laughs> An introvert really does not want to be interrupted because for them being verbal is very demanding. It takes a lot of energy to be verbally interactive with people. So if they're saying something and then someone interrupts them, okay and they actually have to decide whether it's worth it to get back into the conversation 
An extrovert doesn't even realize that there are more than two, three, four people talking because you know what? Whoever is loudest is going to be heard. And if I need to turn up the volume a little bit louder, that's not a... Yeah, an introvert really doesn't like to turn up the volume when they're talking. They don't want to have to compete with an electronic device or with a television in the background or a car that just feels the need to as they're going by. Well, you know what? An extrovert didn't really even notice because they were they were too busy talking. <laughs> so now you know which one are you more naturally, not which do you do more. What you do is just your behavior. The second letter of your personality is either N or S. Now, the N is for intuitive. The only reason it's not I is because the I has already been delegated to introvert. So the second letter of your personality is either N or S. Now, sensing. We have five senses. They are going full force all the time. Even when we're asleep, we hear and smell and feel things. Our intuition is our mind, our, our subconscious basically taking all of the different experiences that our senses are creating with the way we interact with the world and the different forms of stimulation in the world, the things we hear and see and smell and touch and taste, it's putting together complete thoughts and profound ideas. The question is, which one are you more interested in focusing on. Someone who is sensory is very much about interacting with their external world. They want stimulation. They enjoy experiences, even maybe bad experiences, harmful experiences, painful experiences. They actually do want to touch the fire to understand what true heat is. An intuitive is more about putting the pieces of that experience together to understand on a profound level what that means relative to other things in life. The question is, where do you focus? Not which one do you do, because everybody does both all of the time. The question is, if your mind is telling you one thing and you're wondering about what's in it because of it, and you're kind of oblivious to what's going on around you, you're probably an intuitive if you know everything that's going on around you and you can see out of the corner of your eye something that happened and because there's emotion, but at the same time you're eating something and you're enjoying the smell and you're very aware and wanting to interact with the things that are going on around you, you're probably sensory. And the nice thing about both is that we need both kinds of people in the world. Are you more about right here, right now, the direct interaction that you have with your physical world or are you about potentially the future of something that could happen because it means something on a different level and it's related to some? Then you're probably in an intuitive. The third letter is how do you make decisions? You're either a thinker or a feeler. Well, you know what? Thinker doesn't mean you're smart and feeler doesn't mean you're emotional. This is where a lot of people get hung up. Are you someone who makes your decisions based on other people's happiness, their emotional pleasure, then you're a feeler. Or are you someone who makes decisions based on logical, intellectual, rational, reasonable thought based on a lot of factual information? Then you're a thinker. You can definitely be emotional as a thinker and you can be brilliant as a feeler, the question is, how do you make decisions? 
A feeler is someone who says, I don't care if it doesn't make sense on paper. If it's going to bring pleasure and happiness to someone else's heart, that is what makes sense to do in life. That's what's truly important. A thinker would say, I'm sorry if it doesn't bring you pleasure, if it's not something that makes you emotionally happy, if it's the logical thing to do, it's the right thing to do, you just need to work through your feelings. I may be willing to help you work through your feelings, but I'm not going to change what I'm doing that I know is a brilliant and logical and rational thing to do just because you're not, you know, so keen on the idea and you're going to get upset. Now, one of the things that I ask people If you're not sure, here's a good example. If you had to perform surgery on someone that you loved, it was life-saving surgery, and you didn't know how to do it, but I gave you all of the tools you needed and all of the information that you needed in an instruction manual that you had, and the person was dying, but I promise you, as long as you're following the instructions and as long as you're doing your best, you will save their life. How hard would it be for you to stay focused on your job of performing surgery if you knew that they were in pain every time you did something that was good for them to save their life. A feeler would have a very hard time staying focused on their task of understanding information that they read in a book if they knew that what they were doing was hurting someone that they loved. A thinker would say, you know what, you detach, you do what you got to do, and you move on. They're going to be okay as soon as I'm done, and that's what matters. That's a thinker. And the last letter of your personality, how you carry out the decisions that you've made. You're either a perceiver or a judger, a P or a J. Oh, and the last one was T or F. So it's I-E-N-S-T-F. The last one is P or J. When you make your decisions, you are either a perceiver or a judger. What that means is you have two different ways that you can do things. You can do them in an organized and structured and consistent way, or you can do them in a flexible, spontaneous, sort of fly by the seat of your pants, go with the flow kind of way. Judgers do like to know the rules. They like to stick to the rules. They like to plan and organize and carry things out in a very structured and predictable and consistent way. Perceivers, they like to go with the flow They do what needs to be done. They can literally go from moment to moment, modifying what they do and how they do it because they understand that while, yeah, you know, rules and structure and organization are good things. They're absolutely great things for a society to have. That's not real life most of the time. And you cannot limit yourself in that way all the time, all day, every day. A judger would say, well, if we all did, then that would make life better. That would make the world better. We would not have problems if we were all willing to stick to the rules. And a P would say, you know what? Go ahead and show me just one, one thing in life that is ever consistent. And I'll give you a thousand bucks (laughs) because that's not real. That's a nice idealistic fantasy. But let's just go ahead and, and adapt as we go. Okay, so if we have four dichotomies, four different activities that could each be two different things, that means there are 16 different personalities. And instead of going through every single personality, we're going to take a look at how the fact is everybody does everything 
So it's not really about what you do. How much do you have to work to do those different things? How hard are they for you to do? How easy are they for you to do? How much pleasure do they bring you? And you know what? (laughs) I really, really wish that wouldn't happen (laughs) for you. Again, that's important to know because you will then know how to take good care of yourself, how to organize and plan the things that you do by yourself. Even if you're not an organizer, there will be more structure to your life, which will provide peace of mind. And when you have peace of mind, because you understand what you need and you are ready to do and be and give you what you need, you will be more successful in your life then you will be more willing to be that way for others. You always put the mask on yourself first. Then you are more capable and ready and willing to take care of others. Okay, so there are four different levels of functionality. And the MBTI system describes them as dominant, auxiliary, tertiary, and inferior. Your dominant function, obviously, that's the one you like to do most. Your auxiliary function, well, that's number two on the list. Your tertiary function is number three, and your inferior function is number four. Now, this includes things that are not your personality. This refers to the two middle letters of your personality. That's either the S or the N and the T or the F. But this actually means you do things that are not your personality. You can be an S and still do N things. You can be a T and still do F things. Okay, well, but some of them are going to be harder than others. Some of them are going to be easier than others. And that's why it's very important for you to say, okay, what do I actually need here? <laughs> and what, what can I do? What do I want to do? <sighs> okay, and this is just the toughest thing in the world for me to do. Uh, don't make me do it any longer than I have to. There are things that are going to be important for you as you're doing different things. Keep in mind that your dominant function is something that is automatic, like breathing. You naturally do it really, really well, and you naturally enjoy doing it, okay? Now, your auxiliary function, number two on the list, it's not automatic, but it's very enjoyable for you, and you do it well. So since it's not automatic, you need a motivation to get it started. Your tertiary function is one of the letters that is not your personality, but it's an activity that you still have to do. It's not automatic, it's not really enjoyable, but you can master it, really do it very well with a lot of practice and a lot of good training. So you need, in order to do that, you need the motivation and you need compensation. You actually have to get some kind of reward in order to do it. And then your inferior function, it's not automatic, it's not enjoyable, and you don't do it well. So in order for you to do it, you need the motivation to do it 
and you need compensation to justify doing it. And you need restoration when you're done in order to recover from having done it. So this is what I explain to my clients. In terms of the the amount of time that you spend each day, you need to spend, well, let's take a step back actually. If you are awake for 16 hours a day, just making the assumption that you sleep because you're very healthy, eight hours per night, that gives you 16 hours in a day to be productive and successful and awake, right? (laughs) Okay. So out of a 16 hour day, you need to spend a minimum of 60% of your time doing your dominant function. It's like breathing for you. That's nine hours, nine and a half hours. You need to spend doing your dominant function. If you don't, you're actually going to do harm to yourself. Your auxiliary function, you need to spend 20% of your day doing your auxiliary function. That's three hours a day. Your tertiary function, you need to spend about 15% of your waking time doing your tertiary function. That's about two hours and 45 minutes a day. Again, we're talking about maybe a 5% margin of error, one or the, you know, in one direction or the other, but 60% for your dominant, 20% for your auxiliary, 15% for your tertiary. That leaves 5% for your inferior function. You really shouldn't do more than... 45 minutes to an hour and a half every day of your inferior function. The the world is going to demand that you do that activity, even if it's not your personality. You really shouldn't spend more than an hour and a half a day doing your inferior function. And like I said, if your dominant is like breathing, you actually have to do it. Your auxiliary is like eating. It's very important for you to do it because it's something that your body, your heart and soul and mind need to do in order to continue functioning in a healthful way. Your tertiary function is like walking. It's something that you have to do, but it does take work. It takes focus. It takes energy. And then your inferior function is like running. That's tough. There's a lot of internal resistance. You need motivation and you need compensation, and you need restoration. And even if you do have all of those things, you still shouldn't do it for more than a certain period of time in a day. And walking, you actually do. Let's say if you did, you know, your tertiary function walking for, what, an hour, hour and a half a day, maybe two hours a day at the most, that's like walking 10 miles if you're really good walking. Well, no, most people, that'd be like six you still shouldn't do it. Even if it's a good activity, if it's not your nature, you should not do it for an excessive period of time. Okay, so let's go ahead and figure out what these different functions are. The Let let me rephrase this. I want to make sure I went through all of them. The dominant is like breathing. You need to do it for about nine and a half hours. The auxiliary is like eating. You need to do it for about three hours a day. The tertiary is like walking. You need to do it for an hour and a half to maybe two hours a day. And your inferior function is like running 45 minutes to an hour and a half a day. And you're good. You're healthy. You're good to go. So let's figure out how you determine the functional order of the different activities. Even if you're an N, you're having to do S things during the day. And even if you're an F, you're going to have to do T things. Well, Let's go ahead and get specific now about the different activities and the order that they fall under. Let's go ahead and talk about another thing first. 
your social energy. Even if you're an extrovert, you will do certain activities in an introverted way. Even if you're an introvert, you will do certain things in an extroverted way. That's the great thing about nature. Everything stays in balance. Everything to continue flowing, to continue moving successfully, healthfully throughout the world, throughout nature, between people, there does need to be both kinds of energy, introverted and extroverted. And there does need to be all kinds of activities. So let's go ahead and actually determine now the order of functionality. Your functional order, if you have your personality, if you know your personality, is based on the first and last letter of your personality. The last letter of your personality is going to determine which of your two middle letters will have an extroverted orientation because the last letter of your personality is about carrying out the decisions that you've made. That is a socially interactive activity. Everybody has to be socially interactive. The question about your last letter is, are you a P? Then that means the second letter of your personality will have an extroverted orientation because where you focus your attention is a perceptive activity. So as you're carrying out your decisions, if you are a perceiver, that means your perceptive activity of your second letter will have an extroverted orientation. If you're a J, that means the judging function of your personality making decisions, the third letter will have an extroverted orientation. A J would mean that the T or the F of your personality would be extroverted, even if you're an introvert. So, keeping that in mind, if you're a P, the second letter of your personality is extroverted, then the other letter, the third letter, would be introverted because nature keeps it in balance. If you do one thing in an extroverted way, you're going to do the other in an introverted way. The first letter of your personality is simply going to tell you if your extrovertedly oriented function is going to be number one or number two on your list. Because then the other letter with the opposite social orientation is going to be number two. Whichever one is number one, the other one is going to be number two. And it's going to have the different social orientation. So let's go ahead and explain that just taking a few examples. One of my favorites is ESTP. Okay, the P means that the second letter, the perceptive function, is going to have an extroverted orientation. An ESTP will have extroverted sensing. That means the third letter is the T. That will be introverted. As an extrovert, that means their extroverted activity of sensing is going to be their preferred activity. That's number one. So their thinking, which is going to be introverted when it's happening for them, is going to be number two. Okay, well, how about an INTP? Okay, that would mean that the last letter, which is a P, means that the second letter of an N is going to have an extroverted orientation, which means the third letter of the T will have an introverted 
orientation. And since they're an introvert, their introverted thinking is going to be number one and their extroverted intuition is going to be number two. Well, that's simple enough. Okay, so what about an ENFJ? Let's do one more. Extroverted intuitive feeling judger. The J means that the third letter of the feeling is going to have an extroverted orientation. The fact that they're an extrovert means that's going to be number one. Extroverted feeling is number one. That means the second letter is going to be introverted and it's going to be number two. Okay, if you're still with me, I hope you're still with me. If you need to take notes or replay it, go ahead because this is going to be in archives. <laughs> so if you have extroverted thinking, that means that even if you have to do a feeling activity, which is not your personality, it will have the opposite orientation. Introverted thinking has extroverted feeling. Extroverted thinking means introverted feeling. But the great thing again about nature is about balance. So if we'll say introverted thinking is number one, that means the opposite, the polar opposite of extroverted feeling is going to be number four. That's going to be the hardest thing on your list. It's going to be like running for you. And you really shouldn't do it for more than five to 10% of your day because it is so contrary to you, which means that the second letter of your personality will say extroverted intuition. That's number two. Then the opposite of that would be introverted sensing. That's number three. So let's say, again, with the numbers, 60% of your time and energy, if you're an INTP, should be your introverted thinking. Nine hours a day doing introverted thinking activities. Your auxiliary function of extroverted intuition should be 20% of your daily activity. The third item on your list, your tertiary function, is introverted sensing. That should be 15% of your day, two to three hours. And then your inferior function of extroverted feeling should only be 5% of your daily activities. 45 minutes to an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Another example, we'll do ESFJ. The J means that the F is extroverted. So extroverted feeling as a dominant function means introverted sensing is the auxiliary function. If introverted sensing is number two, then number three, the tertiary function, would be extroverted intuition and number four, the polar opposite of extroverted feeling, which is the dominant function, is introverted thinking. That's number four. An ESFJ should spend 60% of their day doing extroverted feeling activities. They should do introverted sensing activities, their auxiliary function, about 20% of their day. They should spend the other what, tertiary function, 15% of their day doing the opposite of their introverted sensing, which is extroverted intuition, and then their inferior function of introverted thinking should only be 5% of their day. Okay, well, what does that mean? Introverted thinking, extroverted sensing, introverted feeling, extrovert... Let's go ahead and take a real quick break and get a glass of water. Maybe do some breathing exercises if you need to just kind of go, okay, what in the world are we talking about now? 
<laughs> my name is Gabrielle Cardona. This is yours, mine, and ours. Welcome back to Yours, Mine, and Ours. I'm Gabrielle Cardona, and today we're talking about the functional order, different activities that you do throughout your day based on your personality, your MBTI personality profile. We're going to open up the lines now to the callers who have specific questions. We've gone over a lot of information, but if you have a specific question about anything that we've gone over today so far, the number is 888 888- Six two seven six zero zero eight. We also have the chat box or shout box, I think it's called, uh, on the website. And so, if you would rather just type in that information and uh, wait for me to respond to it, that's uh, bbsradio.com/slash/yours, mine, and ours. Okay. So now we talked about the difference between your dominant, auxiliary, tertiary, and inferior functions. Well, what does introverted sensing mean? What does extroverted thinking mean? And what does that mean in daily life even? Okay, so what I also like to do is use examples, kind of illustrations when I'm teaching people because that helps them, you know, make more sense of it and it helps them connect to it in a different way. What I like to do when it comes to S, that one of the, the words that I like to use is stimulation. Okay, S's, people who have Sensing as a dominant function, they like to be stimulated. And introvert just means solitary. Extrovert means interactively. So introverted sensing is stimulation while you're alone. Extroverted sensing means stimulation with other people. The N means insight. Really ends know how to be insightful because they understand things. They want to understand things. They want to know more and they want to know why. Extroverted intuition is socially interactive insight. They want to be with people while they're being brilliant. Introverted and intuition is being insightful while you're alone really understanding things when no one else is around because you have your time and space to go as far and as deep as you want without having other people interrupt you. The T, thinking, is ingenuity. Coming up with brilliant conclusions, understanding things enough to make decisions in an ingenious way. No? If you're an extroverted T, That's socially interactive ingenuity. When you are around other people, you actually become smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter and you're making good decisions because you're being socially interactive. Introverted thinking is solitary ingenuity. And feeling is about generosity. If you're a feeler, you are an incredibly generous soul. You care very much about other people and you're willing to give and give and give to them to make them happy and better people. Well, introverted means that you are generous without having to be personally interactive. If you're an extroverted feeler, that means you are very generous 
with people when you are directly interacting with them. That could even be in groups. More, more, more people makes you more and more and more generous. Introverted means solitary. Extroverted means interactive. Okay, so examples. Let's give you examples. Sensing means you like stimulation. That could be things like um, looking at things, listening to things, eating things, touching things. If you are extrovertedly sensing, you want to be around people while you're doing things that stimulate you. And the more stimulated you are with other people, the more happy you are. Okay, introverted sensing means you want to have experiences that give your eyes and ears and nose and and skin your experiences very stimulating you just you know what that would be maybe doing your artwork by yourself doing something that involves interaction with your environment it could be a manual labor type of job doing something that demands that you be very involved with your environment introverted means you need to do it when no one's around Okay, well, how about intuition when we're talking about um, insight? When you are extrovertedly intuitive, you're insightful in a socially interactive way, that could mean collaborating, being in a group of people who really want to talk about things and kind of throw ideas around and just interact with other people in a way that invites them to contribute their thoughts and their opinions and their ideas and their interpretations because more information is always better well introverted intuition means the the less people that there are around the more you are aware of what's going on inside of your mind you can actually get completely lost in a thought for half an hour even 45 minutes or an hour whoa whoa I didn't realize it was three o'clock already because you know what I was just thinking about that for a few minutes no actually you were thinking about it in a lot of different ways and learning and discovering and wondering and why and more and this again but no one no one interacting with you thinking is about being ingenious if you're extroverted it means you like to actually collaborate with people to make decisions to come to conclusions not just kind of taking ideas apart and putting them back together in different ways, but making decisions that are going to affect, that are going to go into effect and have an effect on people and the world. Extrovertedly doing that means you do want to hear other people's ideas and you want to come to a collaborative decision. That would be something like, um, in business, being on a board of directors, being someone in a company who really does have a position of power and authority. Well, if you're introverted and you're ingenious, an introverted thinker, that's about coming up with ideas without being interrupted because the minute that someone comes to interrupt your idea and decision-making process, you can actually get very frustrated and maybe even lose your train of thought because it's about coming to the decision and being alone, being introverted. Then, Feeling introverted and extroverted. Feeling, again, is about generosity. Extroverted feeling means being generous by being directly interactive with people. Having that interest in making them a part of you being 
generous and sensitive and warm and loving with them, for them, to them, directly with you. Introverted feeling is being aware of other people and thinking about deciding what means the most to them and choosing to do and be things that makes the quality of their life better because it makes their heart more full and it makes their their life more pleasant, but not directly interacting with them while you're making those decisions and doing things, actually doing things for people, but not being personally interactive, especially not verbally interactive while you are being generous. Okay, so what's really important to remember now is if you are doing something that's introverted thinking, right, in in your dominant function, the second letter is going to be whatever you've determined it to be. We'll say, for example, Extroverted sensing, that would be an ISTP, has introverted thinking as a dominant function, extroverted sensing as an auxiliary function. When an an ISTP has extroverted sensing as something that they need to do, like eating, they need to do it for three to four hours a day in order to be healthy. You need to eat, you know, three, two, three times a day. You need to keep in mind if you're an ISTP that the thinking that you do in an introverted way needs to be nine hours of your day, extroverted sensing three hours a day of your activity. There are a lot of different ways that you can be interactive and stimulated by the world and the people in the world being socially interactive with them as your auxiliary function. Now we're looking at the tertiary function, the polar opposite of extroverted sensing is introverted intuition. For an ISTP, the number three activity on their list is introverted intuition. Okay, so that's kind of tough. Being introvertedly intuitive, sometimes the way you need to actually do that is with the functionality of the same socially oriented activity, which would be introverted thinking. For an ISTP, being introvertedly intuitive is easiest for them if they are doing it in the context of their introverted thinking. It's much easier for them to be thinking about something in an insightful way, long-term, big picture. What does that really mean? That's not very ISTP. For an ISTP sitting and just thinking about something like that, for what, its own sake? No. It's easier for them if they can infuse that into their dominant function of introverted thinking. So then their inferior function of extroverted feeling, there is nothing extroverted or feeling about an ISTP. But you know what? In order to do it in life, sometimes it's easier for them to do extrovertedly feeling activities if they are infusing it into their auxiliary function of extroverted sensing while they are doing things in an extrovertedly sensing way as their auxiliary function they can then in that time take their feeling requirement in the world right their activities of and they can infuse that feeling activity into a sensing context okay so what does that mean let's go ahead and be specific about an example um hmm My son is an ISTP and his sister is an ENFJ. 
Um, ISTPs are not very emotionally responsive, okay? But as an ISTP is being extrovertedly sensing, actually maybe eating a meal with someone, if that person um, needed uh, the butter from the other side of the table, their extroverted sensing would be very aware of that person needing butter. They could engage their extroverted feeling of, you know what? I want to make your life better. I want to make you happy. I'm going to do an extrovertedly feeling thing of giving you what you need in a sensory context. The opportunity of performing a sensory activity, responding to an environment, taking action to do something to make my world better for a feeling, right? Person, idea, thing, event, reason. Yeah, you know what? That's okay. And it's a lot easier if you can do your inferior activity for your auxiliary reason. Or if you could do your tertiary activity in an, a dominant activity way. Let's do another example. Let's see. Um, an ESFJ. Okay. So ESFJ has dominant extroverted feeling, auxiliary introverted sensing, tertiary um, extroverted intuition, and inferior introverted thinking. Okay, so if you're going up to an ESFJ going, you know what, I need you to be analytical by yourself in a corner. <laughs> and you need to make a really hard decision about what to, that's introverted thinking. I need you to make a, a really hard decision that's logical and analytical and rational all by yourself. Well, okay, introverted thinking, you know what, uh, an ESFJ, their introverted activity is sensing. If they're doing a sensing activity while they're introverted, okay, introverted sensing would be maybe um, uh, cooking. We'll say cooking. It's a very sensing activity. If they're cooking by themselves, they can engage their introverted thinking of, you know what, I'm going to cook a dinner that has very good nutritional value and it's very low in calories and it has actually the right kind of spices and this is going, okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make a decision of introverted thinking while I'm being sensory in an introverted way. Okay, well, what about being intuitive? What about an intuitive activity? Because ESFJs are not intuitive in any way. They find it easier to do intuitive activities like, hmm, what is this going to mean five years from now if I have to think about why someone said what they said? And if they said that, what does that mean is going to happen? Because it's related to something, oh my gosh, they're getting a headache just thinking about it. Okay. But their intuition is extroverted. So while they're being feeling, while they're tending to the emotional needs and being very generous to someone else in an extroverted way, that's the opportunity for them to go, okay, you know what? Now, while I'm being extrovertedly feeling, I can infuse my extroverted intuition of thinking about, you know what? I do need to think about what's going to be good for you five years from now because it's related to this and that and this and that. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make uh, an, a decision to be feeling for you with the principle of intuitive understanding in that context. Everything that everybody has to do is going to be either introverted or extroverted. And again, sensing 
is about stimulation. Intuition is about insight. Thinking is about ingenuity. And feeling is about generosity. Think about this and, and actually ask yourself, how many of the activities in my day are about being stimulated in a sensory way? How many of the things that I do in my day are about being insightful, actually stopping to understand what's going on and how it's going to affect something else that's going on and taking it apart and putting it back together and just, just the whole thought process. How many of the things in your day, in your daily activities, are about making decisions that are logical and rational and intellectual, really ingenious activities, decisions that are about being logical? How many of the things that you do just in your daily activity are about that? And how much of what you do throughout the day is about being sensitive and generous and giving and loving and supportive and encouraging very feeler things. If you know what your different activities are about and what they demand and what they involve, really get to know your dominant function should be nine and a half hours of your day. Make your lifestyle about doing your dominant function for nine hours a day. Do your auxiliary function for three more or less hours a day. Do your tertiary function for two to three hours a day and do your inferior function for 45 minutes to an hour and a half a day. And as you're doing those things, keep in mind that it's if it's your dominant function, you don't need anything to do it well and to have a good time and to, to have absolutely no um, effort vested in it in order to do it that way. If it's your auxiliary function, it's not automatic for you. So you do need motivation, but you do it well and you enjoy it. Your tertiary function, you need motivation and compensation when you're doing it. Even though you can do it very well, it's not your personality. It's not one of the letters of your personality. But if you have motivation and compensation, you can do it for that period of time. If it's your inferior function, you're not going to do it automatically. It might actually be really hard for you to do. You're not going to enjoy it and you're not going to do it well. You need motivation and compensation and restoration. Even if you do get really good at your inferior function, you shouldn't do it for more than about an hour and a half a day because it is very contrary to your nature. When you are with other people and you understand who they are and what they need, you will be able to say, wow, I know <laughs> that what you're going through right now is actually just a really unhealthy manifestation of something that you, you should be doing really well or, or you should be enjoying it. You're not enjoying it. Let's figure out what I can give to you or if someone else says to you, what do you need? If you know what the letters of your personality are and the order of your functionality is, you will be equipped to tell people, you know what? Actually, I'm usually really good at this. <laughs> I'm just having a really hard time because I fought with my mother-in-law last night and I didn't get an, just a wink of sleep and I'm still very frustrated about it. Can we, can we talk about this for a little bit or can I just take a break and maybe... Uh, 
do some breathing activities? Or can I walk around the block listening to really great 80s music to get myself back into a good state of mind? And then I can get back to what I was doing. Or, wow, you know what? I'm actually doing this activity, my, my introverted sensing. I'm doing it in a very unhealthy way, even if I'm doing, you know, something that's my dominant function. Introverted sensing is my dominant function and I've got enough rest and my diet's great and my health is great and everything's, wow, this is a really sick way to do something of that, that nature. I actually do need professional help. I need some kind of long-term, very intricate, very pointed education about how to reset something inside of myself because this is actually my auxiliary function and I'm still doing it in a destructive way, just like eating. You could eat something that's very unhealthy. You may need to change your diet. You may need to change something in your life so you're eating better food or breathing. You know what? Even if it's your dominant function, even if it's breathing for you, you can breathe in a destructive way. You can hyperventilate. You can smoke. You can snort drugs. Just because it's breathing doesn't mean you will always do it in a healthy way. If you have issues that need to be addressed, you can take that information to a professional and say, you know what, this is an activity that I've seen repeatedly, consistently, myself doing in a bad way. But this is supposed to be good for me. This is supposed to be easy for me. We need to find the source of when, where, how, and why I started doing this activity in an unhealthy way. Relationships are about people being with people, people helping people. We are all interactive with each other. We all have relationships. And life is really about knowing how to be. What's yours and what's mine is very different from what's ours. And when you can understand yourself, you're better equipped and prepared to understand others when you understand others and they understand you, when you come together, you are both exponentially better souls because you're good for each other. When you know what's yours and what's mine, then you really appreciate what's ours. My name is Gabrielle Cardona. Thank you so much for listening today. We'll see you next week at the same time on bbsradio.com.